Hi everybody, welcome to Stress Free Lounge. I'm your host, Bill Little, with a random U.S. citizen that we've grabbed off the streets just to ask a couple questions. I said, uh, anybody out there, any U.S. citizens out there that uh, care to answer a few questions? And uh, this is just who we happen to find. Um, hi everybody. Yes, after, I thought it was pushing five years, but it's actually almost closer to six. We started talking in, in May, six years ago. And um, today, there's the big congratulations coming in. Uh, today we actually uh, we actually did it, and and it was a long and winding road, and a couple of setbacks, and and all kinds of things. But nevertheless, uh, America is is well. I know for a certain fact we gained 30 people today, uh, and and one of them in particular. So uh, somebody saying no sound, but Dave Big Booty, I think we have sound. Uh, yes, yes, because uh, yeah, sound seems fine. So what did you think? She was just glowing. By the way, before, before you answer that, um, we have, uh, I've got, I, I videoed the ceremony. It's about seven minutes. I'm going to play it uh, in a minute or two because it was just great. I did a Moving Back to America with Alfonso today about citizenship, and I just I, I just said, you know, they can't kill this. They can't. It just It's just too cool. So, yeah, the, the hits just keep coming in here, baby. So tell, tell me what you thought about today, honey. No, I felt like uh, it's my birthday. <laughs> I, I thought that was a yes. wonderful thing to say. Um, yeah, I felt a lot. I never feel anything like that. And that's this is not just because of uh, it's a passport. It's something very big. It's um, it's something that uh, I belong to this country. And I, I think I always was. That's right. And this is like a last, last point. And um, it's really difficult to explain what I felt. But all the time I was in a good skin. Yeah. There's, Today? Yeah, especially when, um, when it was actual oath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was just unbelievable. I felt, I felt like I'm. I cried, or I just wanted to <laughs> to jump on the place and uh, and dance and uh, I don't know. Oh, we got it on tape. Right. Um, uh, Jim uh, at Esop's receipt said, mm -hmm. "Welcome home." That's the nicest thing you can Thank ever you. say. Uh, um, I don't know. It was a, I guess, way over a year now or so. When, when were you last in Mexico? Was it 2019, just before COVID? Yeah, before COVID. So when we went to um, when we went down to um, Cancun last time, and probably a time before that, Natasha had her uh, green card, and uh, coming back through um, immigration, you know, it's mm -hmm. pretty much breezed through. Here's her Russian passport. Here's her U.S. residence card, and the and the immigration guy just looked up, customs guy just looked up, and said, you know, welcome home. And and that meant a lot to me and to her and everybody else. And you said it's not like that when you went back to visit Russia, that the immigrations people there were not like uh, welcome home. They were. Yeah, they look like a KGB people. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a way, it's a style how they should look. It's it's their job. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess I guess different strokes for different folks kind of thing. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and play this and not just because my beautiful wife is in it and and it's going into the historical record 
that this stretch for launch course is uh, going to be preserved for all time. As, as long as there's humanity, these shows will be available. Um, but uh, but I want to play it because because the ceremony was just fantastic and the people there were fantastic before the actual ceremony once we got checked in and stuff was done outdoors which was great uh it was a you know i keep saying people keep saying why are you still in california bill and today was one of those just because it's air conditioned outside that's why it's 73 degrees today out there it's perfect um so uh, that's a good question there uh 570 uh, you can ask that again in a minute if you, if you can remember I haven't had a chance to really oh, talk to him. Interesting. Yet. But anyway, just to wrap this up, so the so the, the, the ceremony was outside in open air and sunshine and stuff, and uh, they were doing one probably every hour, I guess. But um, we got there 45 minutes early. We watched the people coming out of one and congratulated everybody, and everybody was just bouncing around. Everybody's just got that same look, you know, mm -hmm. and everybody's just so happy, so happy. It's so proud, you know. And, and um, I mentioned this on the... I mean, on the virtue signal after you, you left here earlier today, mm -hmm. I said, you know, you, you can't, you can't kill that. No matter how hard you try, some things are just too, they're just too pure and too good to, to kill. Uh, C.P. Tomes asks, uh, is uh, U.S. citizen Commander uh, Natasha a legally armed citizen yet? She's been legally armed before she was a citizen. <laughs> yes, well before she was a citizen. Um, so, yeah, and, and of course I wore the, uh, put a jacket on over this because I didn't want to appear like uh. a slob, but yeah, today was the day. Um, so, uh, yeah, everybody's very happy and, 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 and the, as, as usual, the feedback from everybody's been amazing. Um, so I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna run this thing. It's, it's seven minutes, but it goes by pretty quickly and, um, it's just, a, it's just, I don't know. Well, I just thought it was a beautiful ceremony. I really, really, really liked the guy uh, who, um, who, who conducted it, the guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was great. He was very good. Yeah. All right, so here's, um, here's our uh, experience from about 10 o'clock this morning. And uh, when it's over, we'll come back and we'll take some questions. And then I'll get on with the dirty work of doing the stratosphere lounge, and she'll go recline back there and eat peeled grapes and things like that. All right, here we go. Ready? Why didn't you take it? You should take mm. it. All right, we'll do it the hard way then, you miserable bastards. Hang on a second. Everybody be cool. Usually you just drag them in. Sorry about this. I thought I could just drag it and drop it as usual. Browse. Come on now. Here it comes. Okay. On behalf of the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services, congratulations. Taking the oath of allegiance and embracing the U.S. citizenship is a remarkable act of patriotism for those who choose to make a permanent commitment to the United States. Today, in taking the oath of allegiance to support and defend the Constitution and laws of the United States of America, you have gained important new rights and responsibilities along with ownership of 
history of myself. I, like you, am also an immigrant. Okay? I came when I was three years old from Central America. So I, like you, had to take the test. Unlike you, you probably got a hundred. I missed one question. But I want what I want to do today, though, is I want to encourage you. Okay? You are what makes America great. Okay? What I want to encourage you to do is serve on a jury, run for Congress, okay? come work here at USCIS. The possibilities are endless. The only two things, according to the Constitution, that you cannot do is be president and vice president. Everything else you are able to do. Don't limit yourself. Today, right now in Congress, there are immigrants that were born in another country that are serving the United States. We have people that uh, work here at USCIS, like yourself, who was born in another country. I also want to stress that we did take your green card. And the reason why we took your green card is you are no longer a permanent resident. You are a US citizen, okay? I'm gonna go over just a few administrative stuff before we go over the oath. I need to inform you that you need to update and let Social Security office know that you are a citizen. Don't be like me, who like six years later, I need to replace my card. I go to Social Security and say, hey, I need a new card, and they ask me, are you still a resident? I'm like, no, I'm a citizen now. And then they're like, well, where's your document? I'm like, uh, where's my mom? I need my document. Okay, I had to go back and get my certificate to let them know I was a US citizen. So make sure that you do that with Social Security. The second thing too is if you want to apply for a passport, okay, you can no longer travel with your green card. Why? Because you're a US citizen. So you need to have a US citizen passport. If you will be leaving in an emergency, you can get a quick passport. Come and talk to me at the table. I'll explain to you what you can do. Aside from that, you just have to take the regular process of 68 weeks to get your passport, okay? So again, I just want to encourage you. You are what makes America great. So go make America great. All right, I am confident in your spirit. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I hope that you are inspired and dedicated to fully exercise these new rights and meet the responsibilities that accompany your new status as US citizens. I am confident that your spirit and dedication will contribute to the continued prosperity, strength, and well-being of our nation. Again, congratulations to each of you, and let us proceed with the Oath of Allegiance. In your packet, you will find a little form that has the Oath of Allegiance. It's very hard to hear me. I'm trying to project my voice, but if you can, you can go ahead and follow along inside of the packet.
of whom or which I have here to forth been a subject or citizen that I will support and defend the Constitution and laws of the United States of America against all enemies foreign and domestic that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same and I will bear arms on behalf of the United States when required by law that I will perform non-combative service in the armed forces of the United States when required by law, and that I will perform work of national importance under civilian direction when required by law, and that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. So help me God. Congratulations. Watching that, you hadn't seen it all through before, had you? No. No, it was the first time she saw it. Uh, and um, you said you just remember when you were when you were swearing to defend the laws of the Constitution. You just got like this, like like an electric. Thrill. Yeah, it was uh, absolutely like a goose skin, but through my body few times. So like yeah, like el electricity. That's a powerful thing. Very very powerful thing. Uh, Lady Hawk said, "I hope you give uh, each other a big hug." Uh, that's why the camera clicked out. Actually, I was just—I had—I I grabbed it. You know, my arms around my wife, and I grabbed it. and I clicked the button by accident. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was—it was a tremendous day. The, and you know, it's, it, we get down on the government a lot, and and rightfully so, and and bureaucracies, and rightfully so. Uh, you know, for what they are theoretically, and and the red tape and all that stuff. But honestly, the people who work there just could not be—could not have been better, nicer really efficient fast i have been i've been genuinely shocked at how at how fast and efficient uh uscis has been united states customs and immigration services 
we would we would go to a meeting or something and they'd say expect a letter within two weeks we get it you know three days later that kind of thing they've just been absolutely fantastic um uh, marusha who makes so many wonderful comments said that um that uh, yeah. naturalized citizens are required to swear and uphold the constitution but the ones who are born here are not uh you, you you're this this is an argument that's it's as old as the republic is I really genuinely, honestly believe this. I think every American should have to do this at age 18. They should have to pass a test, should have to take the oath. I really genuinely mean it. And if you don't, that's fine, but you're not a citizen until you do. I, you just, that's just honestly how I feel about it. I'd be more than willing to do that. Um, we put together for, because studying was, you know, there are 100 questions. And some of them were, um, <coughs> name one of the uh, authors of the Federalist Papers. That's not, you know, super crazy easy, but um, she was getting 100 out of 100, and she just studied and studied and studied, and uh, I put together these big, Natasha has these big um, art sheets, and I put together one that was just like, okay, structures, so here's how the government's built, and here's one on the flag, here's one on history, here's one on all of this, and, um, and it, you know, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> But it was not easy. Really. No, it was not easy. But it was very interesting, I don't know, especially for me, was uh, the structure of government. I just, I can't get over that, of this, just... No, no, explaining this, explaining how it works and how it's this branch goes and why it, all this machine works. It was so, so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and I and many many times when we were go studying for this, Natasha would say, "I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to just be able to read back the answer. I want to know. I want to know how it works, what how it works, and why it works." Mm -hmm. And so uh, she's ready to teach uh, civics, you know. She's ready to, to get out there and, and, and teach everybody everything. But um, yeah, we had a number of we had to postpone it twice. We had to postpone it once because you were feeling a little off, and then we had to postpone it the second time because we were both feeling a little off. <laughs> we spent our fifth wedding anniversary uh, lying down in bed, enjoying the uh, the Chinese present of uh, you know 104 degree fevers and and all the rest of that stuff. Um, but uh, my impression of it from the from the moment I walked across the street from the parking lot and saw these people and saw how happy they were and how proud they were, you know, how proud, how proud they were, how patriotic. Um, I, I just, I remember thinking I've been so, I make, I make a living out of talking to you guys because you feel the same way about all these things being damaged and eroded. And I remember saying to Zoe earlier today, you know, they can bang it, scratch it, dent it, they can bang it up, they wash the, you know, they can do anything they want to it, and they can mess it up, they can definitely, they can definitely damage it, but they can't destroy it. And, um, and, and the miracle of it is, you know, it's like, this is the only country in the world that's an idea, and, and because it's an idea, uh, as I told her probably 17 times today, you are as American as anybody in this country. You don't take you don't take any grief from anybody over that. If somebody says, "Oh, foreign accent," you know, screw you. You're as American as people got off the Mayflower eight generations ago. That's amazing, and um, and also uh, we were talking about this I think last night or the night before. It's like because. For one thing, the passport. I mean, she can't. There's a lot of places that she just can't go with a Russian passport. Can't go to Europe, for example. 
at all. You need to get a England? special visa to get to, to the Sengen, yeah. Sengen uh, countries. England, now, Israel. All of them. Now it's like... Bermudes, uh, yeah. Yep. And um, so there's that. And we were talking about this, and I said, honey, you know, you just kind of wear this citizenship like a, like a cloak, you know? It's <laughs> like, and not just when you're overseas. Um, here in this country, no matter what they... I mean, really, folks, sometimes it's good to kind of take a step back and, and realize that despite all the censorship that we're going through in the government bureau of invest, uh, you know, uh, disinformation, nevertheless, she can stand, uh, she can stand outside and say whatever she wants. Let me read something in, in uh, Cyrillic for you there, G.K. Yeah. Masterson. Masterson. You can say whatever you want, think whatever you want. No one can can take that away from you. No one can make you testify against yourself or your husband. That's the part that's most valuable, frankly, is not being uh, have to testify against your husband. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so um, she's yeah. Eric said uh, she's got to be armed, and somebody uh, G.K. Masterson, who's a fine fellow, uh, basically it's a she, uh, said um, apparently you know she was armed and, and a crack shot long before she was a, a citizen. And the final thing I said, I don't remember, I just remember coming out of there today and saying, you have no idea how, well, you do, but just how much more protection you have now, you know? You, there are rights that people cannot take away from you. And, and if you get in trouble overseas, well, we'll send aircraft carriers out there and, and you know, and, and guys with guns and get you back. It's just, it's just wonderful. And um, it's just wonderful. It's wonderful. I'm completely, I'm, I'm almost as blown away about it as you are. I hope they will need, they will need not <laughs> this aircraft. No, I hope carrier. they don't need aircraft carriers no. either, but we got 11 of them in case, uh, in case we do. Um, let's just take a quick look at Facebook, honey, because I get a feeling a lot of those are going to be for you. And then, uh, and then I will, uh, kind of, congratulations, congratulations, congratulations. Mm. Most outstanding news of the year so far. Hooray from Pat Kimball. <laughs> That's wonderful. Let's. I need to refresh this page. Absolutely, I need to. Oh, that's a good, good photo with that woman. Did. Yeah. Mm. Uh, that was. Was that that woman or was that me? I took that one. No, on your phone. No. Uh -huh. no. Okay, twenty-seven comments. So we're just going to go through those real quick. Many, most of them are going to be pretty much the same, I reckon. So we're going to look at all of them. All right, here we go. Well, I, I don't know how you guys did the congratulations in orange, but it sure is effective. So just in, in order that they're there, Robert Mitchell says, congratulations, she makes America a more beautiful country. Sweet. Thank you. Uh, Becky Gunstrom says, congratulations, and thank you for doing it the right way. And everybody else there did, too, you know? Everybody you saw in that video, every one of them, just took them five years to get here. Uh, Jason Rasmussen says, America needs more American citizens like this. Congratulations, land of the free, home of the brave. You're damn right it is. Thank you, Jason. Samuel Fain, this is, this is the ones, these... Not that any of them are more than others. They're all, they all mean the world to us. But every now and then, there's just something that rings a little slightly different tone. Uh, Samuel uh, Fain says, from one naturalized citizen to another, congratulations. That's a person who became an American citizen. Oh. Thank Cheryl you so much. Walter, congratulations. Welcome as a citizen. Pat Kimbrough, the most outstanding news of the year so far. Hooray. 
Hmm. Kate Collins said, wonderful news. Congratulations, Natasha and Bill. Uh, Susie Q. Nolte said, congratulations. So happy for you and Bill. Mary Janky Vorderbruggen. That's not a bad first pass at that, I think. We are so happy to call you our country. But yes, we are. And here's one from GK Master again, again in, in Cyrillic. Is that the same as what she posted? Yeah, uh, it means uh, welcome home and ha uh, happy or... Oh, God, I don't... I forget. Christmas. Oh. Christmas. <laughs> Dave it's, not, it's not Christmas. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. Dave Olson said, will you crazy kids watch our fellow citizen Elon Musk launch a Falcon 9 from Vandenberg tomorrow? I didn't know he was going to. That's an actual thought. That's something to think about doing. Thanks for that, uh, Dave. Mm -hmm. uh, Bela Krishman says, congratulations. Hope to join the land of the free soon, too. That's somebody who's wanting to be a citizen. Mm -hmm. um, one, of the, one of the things that these, that these people are really amazing. And, and one of the things this guy said uh, was somewhere in there was... If you have friends who want to become citizens or people who are interested and want to do it the right way, go out and encourage them and help them learn and, and you know, go through. This is a five-year process. This is not something we do lightly. Uh, Dudley uh, Teeter says you're awesome. He's right. Uh, Beth Tracy Albert's got an American Eagle there with a boat on it. Mm -hmm. Eric Blake, who's always a wiseacre in the best possible way, says, Good evening, government minister. Is the government right about everything? Oh, and to Harry and Paul things. That's a different question. I'll take that in a minute. But most of them are congratulations. Scott and Don Schlomer, congratulations. David Zapasnik, congrats. Constitutulations. Whoa! <laughs> Constitutulations. Uh, for the win. You win the internet today, David. Okay. Jared Rupert, congratulations. Merlin Wendebo. Hey, Merlin. How are you, buddy? Congratulations. I remember when you gave my wife a shout-out when she got her as well. Yeah. This is something to celebrate. George Semmel, congratulations. Ray Cook, congratulations. Graham Godfrey, congratulations. Hope your daughter is next soon. Boy, to say the least. We'll talk about that in just a second. Joe Pomeroy, congratulations. David Webb, welcome and congratulations. Eric Blake, uh, two questions in celebration for Natasha's citizenship. First, have you ever went to see the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota? We have not. Second, have you ever considered taking Natasha there in celebration of her citizenship? Uh, it wasn't the first place we had in mind. Um, our first uh, our first trip, I hope, will be Bermuda because I haven't been there since 1972, and she hasn't been there since ever. ever. But just the fact that we can just get on the plane. You want to go to London? Go to London. You don't have to. To London? Anywhere. Oh. Oi. Anywhere. <laughs> I can't. No, London, just, Berlin, can't Rio. We just get on a plane and go. And that's something else to keep in mind too. By the way. After all, you know, constantly just looking at all of this damage. The fact of the matter is that U.S. passport is is it. And s let me just finish these. Uh, <laughs> oh boy, Brian Van Nordstrand says, "One of us, one of us." There was a there was a movie released in I want to say in the 30s called Freaks, and it was about sideshow people with deformities and freaks. You know, mm -hmm. all these these people who had just been born with these terrible deformities and whenever they would bring a new person into the circus, you know, they would look at them and say, one of us, one of us. <laughs> so we joined the pinheads and okay, the rest of the lunatics. Gradibus uh, uh, Graham, I wish us luck. And uh, here's the quote from Lincoln, which is the quote. It's, this is, he got it exactly right. If destruction be our lot, that means if we're gonna be destroyed, we must ourselves be the author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we must live through, we must, 
live through all time or die by suicide. Basically what he's saying is nothing from the outside can hurt us, only from the inside. That's the only way we can, we can lose this country. Well, we have another. You're taking care of this. Well, inside. You're, you're taking care of it too. And um, so, um, yeah. Uh, thank you to all of you on Facebook for the kind words. And I know when we post this, there's going to be another avalanche of, of kind words. And um, and we we just couldn't be more grateful, uh, both of us. You know, we, we have our house because of these fine people. And we don't own it, but nice house we rent it you know yeah. and um and and all of that is uh is because of them so um we are just daily uh grateful for you guys and your support and, and all of that stuff so uh-huh <laughs> uh yeah uh, five seven oh eight rivera says uh, you seem to be glowing bill i am glowing i'm i'm i'm, I'm practically glowing as much as uh, as she does oh and a guy named bart's treasure said uh, we should be careful we we'll not get our hopes up around bermuda because global warming has melted all the ice around bermuda oh come on yeah it, it will be so um now uh, and, and and what Risha says you were glowing in the video she was mm -hmm. she never looked better honestly she just and she always looks great but she was just i don't know i, I just watched the video i, I thought she looks like she's from a different planet than the rest of us. Um, right now, um, uh, we are um, we're trying to uh, figure out what to do, how to get uh, Diana, her daughter, and my stepdaughter here. She's just the best best person in the world. I know this is such a horrible cliche, but honestly, when we get together, we've been together three times in Mexico now, because she. She can't get a, a tourist visa into the U.S., but she can go to Mexico. There's charter flights there, so we went down there three times before COVID hit. And after we got it done with the oath ceremony, we called our immigration attorneys uh, to thank them, first of all, for the incredible work they've done. Cannot recommend that highly enough. Um, and, uh, and, and to find out whether this affected the ability to get Diana in here. And she said, well, first of all, she's going to have to go and apply for a tourist visa, but that's a bit of a problem because there is no U.S. consulate in Russia at the moment. Um, so uh, now the question is, what do we do about that? Uh, this situation is not going to last forever. Does the Ukraine war complicate things for uh, her family? Yes, it complicates mm -hmm. things for our, for our family enormously. Um, we are we are trying to get um, we're trying to figure out a way to get um, you know money in there right now. That's the number one thing. If any of you have any inside information on that, uh, I can make a, assurances that none of this money that we send uh, for her mom and her daughter will get into Vladimir Putin's hands in any way, shape, or form. Um, but uh, nobody knows. He, I, I mentioned to Natasha that on the Victory Day parade, he looked very sick and was just sitting there with a blanket. Mm. Uh, nobody knows. But this is not the very best possible time. Uh, yeah, Dave Big Booty, or Dave Big Bootay is a truck driver. He said he'd drive us all the way to Minnesota to see the giant twine ball. Yes. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> That'd be a lot of fun. Um, so right now, as far as Diana goes, we're um, we're going to concentrate on 
where can she go? What places can she get to? Um, because we can get to just about everywhere now. So you said that Turkey is, is, is people still able to get from Russia to Turkey? Yeah, but they fly through Turkey. And then they go... I don't want her to stay in Turkey. No, I don't want her to stay in Turkey either. Yeah. Nothing, nothing, she, against, she can f oh. nothing against you, Sink. Sorry. <laughs> Inside joke. Okay. Um, she can fly to America through uh, Turkey, but she I think can. she can fly uh, to to Mexico through just, just directly. Then that's what we'll do. We'll just get her down to Mexico. She wouldn't. Uh, she said she would. She would like to stay in Mexico for a while. Um, she loves Me Mexico. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I love Cancun too. I was very, very surprised when I went there. I was really impressed. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's just it's just uh, timing. Um, it's just timing. Uh, it's um, my ex-husband might can help if you can get her to France. My ex-husband might can help, but she can't fly to her. Everything closed. I mean, Europe closed. Yeah. yeah, thank you anyway. It's it's very nice of you. So my feeling on this is, well, first of all, you know, this is a lesson in, in letting go of things that you can't do anything about, right? I mean, we just keep trying what we can try, but there are things that are in motion that are you know beyond our ability to influence and this Ukraine thing is one of them um, but uh, I, I don't think this is going to go on forever I don't think it's going to go on for very long and I think that when um, when uh, Vladimir retires to his country estate they say refugee visa well they're, they're, that's a tough thing to prove she has to prove that she's in danger especially of her when life. we have a passport yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so, um, but still, you know, main thing is just to get is spend some time with her and get her get her out there. And of course, we've got um, we've got my mother in law too, uh, and um, and she's there. I saw that Marusha. I'll, I'll see what it can do. Um, church there. Maybe we'll send an aircraft carrier for. Her. We'll just sail one up the Dardanelles to the Black Sea and send a helicopter and pick her up. Okay, have you had enough? Uh, have you had enough love and, and adoration and and and, and, uh, and <laughs> How warmth? can I measure? No, it's can't, you can't. Measure. It's never enough. It's know? never enough. Um, and uh, uh, fifty-seven oh eight Rivera says we feel Natasha's part of the audience family. Thanks for introducing her to us. So prayers for that. Uh, Thank you. I tell you every time I come home from the Stratosphere Lounge, I tell you every single time, people ask about you a lot more than they ask about me, and um, and I'm insanely jealous, and I'll and I'll find a way to get my revenge. <laughs> Although I don't have the leverage I used to have <laughs> now that she's a citizen and all. Now, like, we feel like Natasha. Please come back that. often, uh, and and so on and so forth. Uh, okay. Everybody's grinning from ear to ear. They said, "Everybody watching and, and the people on YouTube, and they'll they'll be doing the same thing too." Yeah, he needs it more dangerous places than ours, including Afghanistan and Ukraine. Oh, he's um, yeah. Lord Miles is probably a, you know, one of those commando guys. Um, 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 Mike Mike Yan, Michael Yan asked me if I wanted to go to Afghanistan, right after they pulled out a couple months ago. I said I'm going to decline with thanks. 
but he's the kind of guy who has those connections. You know, they just they know ex-military guys and they just get in there. But we're not we're not at the point where we have to kidnap her yet. We don't think that's the, the best possible decision. Um, hey, there's a total lunar eclipse on Sunday night. On 16th. They said celebrate. Yeah. It's like, well. All right, baby. Something to, to think about. Okay, say goodbye to the lovely people, and I will amuse them with my various uh, carnival skills. Okay. Thank you, everybody. I'm just really from my heart, and uh, you you gave me so much, you know, the warmth, and uh, I really appreciate. I really uh, appreciate all your kind words. So thank you so much. Mm. Okay. All right. Get on out of here, you. Uh, and um, and don't go running off to Bermuda without me. <laughs> first time chat from Jeff uh, Coulter, who says, Bye, Natasha. It's the first time he's ever commented on anything. Um, uh, John Pershing says, what does it feel like kissing an American? I, I don't know. There's just something feels a little wrong about that question. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm a lucky man, Bill. Yes, Bill, uh, Bill knows this. He's constantly aware of it. Let's see if I can get rid of this Batman Dutch angle here a little bit. So I thought there'd be a lot of questions on Facebook. Uh, there's just a couple. One thing I have seen in, um, in the comments coming in live uh, is uh, a couple times is, what do I think of the new Star Trek show? Uh, I haven't seen the new Star Trek show. However, uh, Doomcock has, and I have listened to his first part and the first half of the second part of his uh, critique of Strange New Worlds. And based on what he's telling me, based on what he saw in the first episode, um, you know, once again, it's not Star Trek. It's almost like they're getting more desperate. They're trying to, they're trying to put these S pro, these spike proteins on the outer, on the outside of this thing. They're trying to sell as as, uh, as Star Trek. So now they've got you know, now they've got uh, the uniforms and they've got you know the Enterprise and all the rest of it. Uh, but it's not Star Trek from what Doomcock said. And I'll give you a, like a specific example because it was on my mind. I'm actually going to think that I might see if I can call him and get in on the funnies tomorrow if it's not too late. Um, so, uh, so one man, uh, one man Yang 802 says, I saw the first episode today and there's no woke to be seen. Um, that's good. Uh, Doomcock's criticism of it wasn't, so, uh, I don't aware, aware of it that he was criticizing wokeness so much as he was just criticizing how very, very, um, un-Star Trek it is. And I'll give you one example. And, and this is fun because it allows us to talk about script writing and, and that sort of thing. Um, Doomcock says that in this episode, it starts off with, uh, with yeah, canon violations, to say the least. It's like the 1812 overture. Um, he says that in the beginning of the episode, uh, Spock is, um, is basically romancing his, uh, his Vulcan bride and, um, and, you know, and, and they've got the, the soft lighting and the kissing and they're at a bar and apparently like the Vulcan bartender says, get a room, you two kind of thing. Um, but 
I, I you know, he showed a couple of stills, if not clips of that. I thought, yeah. And another thing about Spock, because I want to talk about Spock and, and what people who are running this new, what Kurtzman doesn't understand and never will understand because he's too stupid to understand it or too corrupt, one or the other, or both. He also said that um, that in this episode, in order to get down to this planet, they, as Doomcock pointed out, when Kirk had to appear as a Romulan, they just put makeup on him and prosthetics. But apparently in this episode, Nurse Chapel, who's now smoking hot, um, which may be the biggest canon violation of all, actually. You get right down to it. Um, uh, has some kind of a, a injection to mutate them, changes their DNA so they, so they turn into these creatures or look more like these creatures. And, and he said, Doomcock said that there's a point where, um, where this thing is wearing off, and so they beam, they transport this DNA replacement directly into Spock's eyes so that he can pass this retina scan. And, and Doomcock listed 15 reasons why this is just plain, you know, stupid. But he also said, um, he also said uh, that when the effects of this were wearing off and, and Spock's ears went from round to pointy again, he, he, he basically, you know, yelled in, in pain. So... Let's just put aside the 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 retina stuff for a minute because it's just a that's a technical violation. Let's deal with uh, Spock, uh, the, the romantic devil, and um, and uh, Spock, the uh, guy who who cries out. Right. I'll start with the second one first. So the reason the reason that Spock was such an interesting character and why they cannot get him right. They, and and J.J. Abrams couldn't get him right either. Once he started having an affair with Uhura, it's not Spock anymore. Um, Eric Blake says, to be fair, Spock yelled in pain with the rock creature in the original series. Spock didn't yell in pain when he had the when he had that flying plastic pancake on his back. The, it's the stoicism of Spock that makes uh, makes Spock Spock makes him interesting. There's that one scene with the what is that the annihilation operation annihilate I think. Um, where he's got this thing on him, and it's and it's and, and it's like Spock. You don't seem to be any pain or something. He says, "I'm in tremendous pain. He's, I've just compartmentalized it. And I'm doing other things with my brain." Um, he Spock doesn't cry out. In fact, in um, I used to know the name of every one of these episodes by heart. Okay, what's the name of the one uh, where uh, they they meet the rock monster and uh, and Kirk and Spock and and Abraham Lincoln and um, and um, Sarek? Sarek. Anyway, a Vulcan historical Vulcan meet four of the bad guys. So, for, so they're they're trying to find out whether good or evil is better. So the Kirk and Spock and and Abraham Lincoln and Sarek or Sarek. Uh, Savage Curtain, that's it, thank you. Um, and, and so they, they, so Surak, being the, um, the Vulcan that he is, decides he's going to go over and talk to them. He's, and, and they're saying, don't go, you know, they'll, they'll torture you. He says, well, we have to try peace. Peace is the only way, you know, we, Vulcans have been through wars worse than, uh, human wars, so we're going to go. Yes, Bart's treasures beat me to the line. So, he goes. And then you hear you hear the, the the 
Star Trek was a little, uh, I don't say heavy-handed, just a little on the nose sometimes. So I'm, I'm, I'll never forget this as long as I live. So these guys are hiding behind their rocks and making their bows and arrows, and you hear the voice of this guy going, Spock, help me, Spock, Spock, help me. And Kirk or something says, you know, we, we got to go help him, and, 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 Spock, and Spock says, that is not Surak. A Vulcan would not cry out so. Uh, a Vulcan would not cry out so. That, that's it. That's that's what Vulcans are. That's what Vulcans are. And people said he cried with the Medusa, but he was mind melted with the Medusa. The, the the entire look. This is the point. You can and you can and if you want to come up with a couple of, of exceptions, that's fine because they are exceptions. But generally speaking, the reason Spock was such an interesting character was because on some level he was a super Vulcan. He overcompensated for the fact that his human half gave him emotions. He was in a bad spot, you know. He 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 didn't like emotions, couldn't really handle emotions, but he had them because he had a human mother, and so he went entirely in the other direction and became as stoic as he possibly could, and 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 so that that's that's who Spock is. Spock does not get emotional. Spock does not cry out. And, and, and in Operation Annihilate, he's, I mean, that's one thing they managed to convey in that episode is that this is mind-killing pain. Um, and, and it's the repression of emotions that makes Spock interesting, not the expression of emotions. It's the repression of, of the emotions that makes him interesting. So when they try to make Spock into a sexy guy, that's just, it's, it's not Spock. It's not just a contradiction. It's just it's 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 anti-Spock. And and the same thing goes for for the physical pain and and the Ponfar thing. So if you remember, um, uh, I'm not going to look because this one I have to remember. Amok time. Um, Spock has to. You know, Vulcans have this mating ritual like salmon. Every seven years they have to they have to go back and mate. And 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 Spock is so embarrassed by this he can't even he can't even bring it up you know it's a source of enormous enormous embarrassment for him and shame um and and the fact that during this one brief little window of a week or two every seven years vulcans lose their control that's why that episode was so interesting and so good and that's why it, and that's why people not only became fans of Star Trek and became fans of Spock, it's, it also gave them, it was a reason to be a fan of Star Trek because that's just good writing. You've got a character whose entire makeup consists of this inner turmoil that you can see the tension, but he never lets it out. And then they gave him, during the course of the original series, probably two or three times where they gave him an out, where they allowed Spock to be emotional. One was the Ponfar, one was when they went down to the Paradise Planet and the spores, you know, and then he's laughing and stuff. Um, but is that a direct line from their day, Big Booty? There's nothing to be embarrassed about, Mr. Spock. It happens to the birds and the bees. That sounds like McCoy. Um, so, so when they make romantic Spock, they're they're destroying him. And this is the thing that these people can't understand. It is a version, it is a version of the Mary Sue phenomenon. Um, oh, it was Kurt, thanks. It's a version of it. And, and what I mean by that is, the people that have got their hands on Star Trek now do not understand Star Trek. And worse than that, 
they don't understand drama. They don't understand it. We did um, that right angle on, I don't know if it's been released yet, uh, Steve Green's right angle is about the 40th anniversary of Rathacon. I talked about Rathacon for went on and on and on. Um, but I said, Rathacon's not only the best Star Trek movie, it's a good science fiction movie. In fact, it's just a good movie. And it's a good movie because the protagonist and the antagonist are balanced. Khan is, is, is hammy enough to balance Shatner. And so they take you into a, a, a layer of performance where, you know, if you, go to, if you go to the circus, you see people acting broader. If you look at people on stage, it's, it's not realistic acting because they got to be seen by the person in row 200. And, and the same is true for situational comedies. If you look at a sitcom, that's not how people talk. There's a kind of a sitcom, there's an entire sitcom kind of language and, 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 and attitude. Just think about them sitting around in, in uh, which I never watched, uh, but Big Bang Theory, right? Sitcoms have their own style and it's nothing like realistic. But when they got R Ricardo Montalban, they, they had somebody who, 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 Kirk, who, who could balance Kirk. But what I, the main point I made about Wrath of Khan was, Wrath of Khan was Kirk at his best because it was also Kirk at his worst. That's why Wrath of Khan worked. It worked because, because Shatner changed. He started out being bitter, old, tired, all the things that Luke Skywalker became but didn't have a chance to uh, redeem himself for. And he, gets, and he gets burned, you know, he hasn't been a captain of a starship for years. And he gets burned by this, um, by this uh, reliant thing. And, and, and he's beating himself up. He says, you, Mr. Safik, you just keep quoting regulations at me and I got cut with my britches down, that kind of thing. So when, so when in the Genesis cave, when you think, this is really looking bad, uh, and he's sitting there, and then, and then she says, can you tell me how you dealt with the Kobayashi Maru situation? And McCoy says, you're looking at the only cadet who ever beat the Kobayashi Maru scenario. Yeah, I, I reprogrammed the computer so that I could win. Uh, I got accommodation for out-of-the-box uh, out thinking. So she said, but you never did have to face death. And he didn't. He cheated. He cheated his way out of death. And he's going to get, he's going to pay for that in, in a half an hour, an hour. Um, so just when they're down at the very bottom, all of a sudden Kirk's communicating, Mr. Spock, uh, we've been expecting, you know, or, or you're overdue, whatever. So, uh, yes, Captain, uh, we're, we're in position, you know, prepare to beam aboard. And you're thinking, prepare to beam aboard? I thought, I thought the Enterprise was limping away. No. And it turns out they're there. And it's like, what? We're in, we're in this fight again? And then he stands up. He's got this apple. I don't like to lose. And I thought, my God, that's it. That's, that's, I, I was in a theater a packed theater on opening day when he said that line, and that was one of three times I've seen people come out of their chairs, literally stand up in the middle of the theater and, and applaud. They didn't, they, didn't, um, they didn't have a choice. I don't believe in the no-win uh, scenario. Okay? He doesn't get to uh, cheat death at the end of that. And there's something else about Spock that, that these people on, on Strange New Worlds or um, Discovery or any of these pseudo-Star Treks. And by the way, by the way, it's 
J.J. Abrams' forward that isn't Star Trek. I was not a huge fan of Deep Space Nine, but Deep Space Nine was Star Trek, and so was Discovery, and so was Enterprise. Um, but these, these aren't. They're, they're, they're not. They're just, you know, they're, 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 they're lampreys. They're, 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 there's these parasites that are sucking onto it, trying to, trying to ride its coattails in. Discovery has this uh, space Jesus, you know, um, Michael Burnham, Mikey Spock, uh, Doctor uh, Doom, uh, Victor Dom, uh, yeah, yeah, Doomcock calls him. Uh, you never knew that Spock had a a, a little adopted uh, sister, did you? Nope. And she was Surak's favorite. Really? What? It, that's that's stolen valor. That's that's people putting on a uniform, um, uh, in order to get the glory. Eric says I should watch Deep Space Nine in its entirety. Yeah, I'll do that in my abundant free time, Eric. Um, the uh, there's something else that needs to be said too. This guy who they've got for um, for Spock now is kind of well. First of all, he's too pretty, and secondly, he's too soft. The reason that Spock that you believe Spock was a was an alien was because Leonard Nimoy is one weird looking dude. You know, he was one strange looking dude. Um, and and that and and he had a, a superb but extremely different, very deep voice. So there were like these. You could just look at at, at this face, at Nimoy's face, and realize there is something not human about that. And also something a soy spock. Exactly, you got it. Fire away, go for the win. Um, so so when you make Spock pretty or handsome, you're taking you're taking the essence of Spock away. He's not handsome. However. Leonard Nimoy Spock. Leonard Nimoy Spock was in fact a sex symbol. He, he was getting letters from women all the time, and he was getting letters from women who wanted to break through that icy exterior. But if he doesn't have an icy exterior to break through, he's not Spock. So he doesn't sit around sipping, you know, Romulan ale with uh, with with uh, Tepring. Uh, <laughs> Doomcock said something. What was it, what was it exactly? He said, uh, he said something to the effect of, anyway, so Spock and, and, and Dupring go off and he starts to porking her with this to prong, something, something like that. It just, it just made me laugh out loud. But right, so, so there it is right there. B-Fire has got it. And, and this is all you have to say. He's not interesting. This new character is not interesting. They're trying, they're trying to to wear the, the like the skin. You know, it's like it's almost like Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. It's like they've skinned Spock, and and they're trying to wear the skin and convince people it's, it's not Spock. It's 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 the anti-Spock, and it's because the writers are too stupid and too untalented to to know how to do it. Uh, somebody earlier said. Um, that uh, uh, C.P. Tome said that Quinto um, uh, worked uh, in in the uh, in the movie reboots. He worked he worked up until the point where he started being romantically attached to Uhura. Then he's not working anymore, and 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 at the end of um, in the middle of uh, yeah at the end of um, 
into darkness when he goes con okay it's a nice reversal on 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 you know the original timeline but that's not spock either it would have been much more interesting frankly if he had if he had instead of shouting that if he just kept that like under a boom you know that would have made some fun but they don't get it they don't get it it's lazy writing bart's treasures got it lazy it's lazy 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 and the people that are writing discovery and picard picard is a, a appalling picard is appalling and and apparently most of the appalling is coming from patrick stewart he looks so old you know he just and he doesn't just look old he 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 well he is old and he acts old and it's like i sometimes look back and i'll see a still from the uh, next generation which i was not a huge fan of but that's okay uh that was certainly star trek and i don't look at him and i think Oh, that's what he used to look like before he became the, oh, and oh, I'm, I'm responsible for the Romulans being massacred, you know, and, and, and of all the laziness involved with the, the post, the J.J. Abrams post J.J. Uh, Abrams uh, Star Trek, of all the laziness, you would think that at very least these people who know nothing about science would at least be able to write characters, but they can't even do the fundamentals. They can't even do the basics. They can't even tell a character story well. They certainly don't know the characters they're talking about, and they are so far away from the science. You know, it's called science fiction for a reason, right? It's called science fiction for a reason. Um, and... And these people not only don't know any science, they're not contributing to the to the to the brand, they're not contributing to the canon, they're not adding anything new that's cool. They they why did uh, 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 Rivera says why did they um, why did they even make Picard? They made it for money and they made it for the for the ability to put their social messaging into something called Star Trek so people would swallow. Um but the, the reason that, that the original series spawned all the rest of the stuff was that it was believable. And, you know, I grew up with, uh, with this, you know. Sadly, the batteries are dead. But it makes the appropriate noise, right? So I grew up with this. I thought, wow, how fantastic would it be if you had uh, a device that you could just, you know, the flip thing is we need to but just talk to people. You gotta get that hinge stiffened. It made all kinds of cool sounds. I gotta replace the batteries in this. But how cool would it be to carry one of these things around? Wouldn't that be great? There's no way. I mean it's science fiction. Maybe you know, maybe in three hundred years we won't be able to do that. Well, you know Idiot. Right. Right? Tricorder, what are you doing? I'm recording data. It's like a camera and stuff. Yeah, it captures data, knows where you are. Here it is. Here it is. Um, all of the um, all of the stuff that was first generation Star Trek, the original series, science was great science. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the lithium. What is the source of the Enterprise's energy? Well, it uses dilithium crystals. Well, there's no such thing as dilithium, but it sounds like it could be, because there is, dye is a chemical expression, meaning there's two of them. 
and lithium is an element so when they say dilithium it sounds real and and that's why people loved it and and so these these clowns idiots slackers and and um layabouts uh don't understand the science don't want to understand the science they have sonar in space and in discovery every single dilithium crystal in the universe is destroyed because one guy uh had a temper tantrum and he sent out a psychic wave and it destroyed all the dilithium in the universe and and now that's canon right and you can't uncanonize it Although I think apparently you can try. There's talk about having the whole um, th third trilogy. Uh, well, it happened in an alternate universe. Okay, but, but that's not the point. The point is people don't care anymore. And Doomcock's right. He's like, I just don't care anymore. I don't care. It's, it's dead to me. Okay, well, I believe that to be the case. Um, so that means what's next? Well, something's got to move into that space, right? Something's got to move into that fundamentally optimistic space, but it's not a utopian space, you know? I remember uh, somebody, this is the beginning when I started writing eject, eject, eject or something. Um, uh, somebody had... Um, some some progressive put online a picture of Spock and it was something about something to the effect of he's got his tricorder you know and it's like oh that's what we really need right now a person who uses his mind instead of resorting to violence and I took a look at this and I and I and I wrote back you know on the post I said I notice he's got a phaser strapped to his belt and I noticed that um, that the Enterprise uh, is uh, armed. And that's what I mean by a realistic utopia. It wasn't the original series, I don't think. No, was it? it must have been next generation. Was it next generation where they had the the people from the twentieth century come by? And it must have been next generation, because because Roddenberry got a lot more socialist as he got older. Wasn't it next generation where they bring some people from the twentieth century forward and they'd say, "Well, what do you use for money?" And they go. <laughs> money what a quaint concept no everybody just goes out and gets everything no they don't and 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 you can't and they didn't they didn't go there in the original series you know the original series that we come in peace for all mankind and uh we're we're a scientific exploration mission we're here to explore strange new worlds and um and we never once opened fire first ever but we return fire, and that's the difference between reality and 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 you know this this garbage that they serve up. By the way, um, Dukak made another point, and I hadn't thought about this before actually. But Star Trek leapt off the rails in a way when, in a lot of ways, when J.J. Abrams took over. But J.J. Abrams put the Enterprise into a warp tunnel, put, put it into um, put it into the same tube that the Millennial Falcon flies down. Doomcock pointed that out. I heard it earlier this morning when I listened to part two of his review. 
they're traveling through this wormhole. That's not Star Trek. Star Trek, the Enterprise doesn't travel that way. And, and frankly, I thought the moving stars were one of my favorite things about Star Trek. As a matter of fact, I like the moving star field so much that when computers started to come out, and I mean started to come out in the Apple IIe, I started to try to program things to give you like moving star field effect. And then there was a moving star field screensaver and I had that. The um, uh, CP Tome says J.J. stayed canon. He did not. He destroyed canon. J.J. Abrams destroyed Vulcan. J.J. Abrams uh, had Kirk become a, 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 a you know, two-fisted rebel on a bike, you know, who's busy knocking down beers and then decides, what the heck, I'm going to go and join Starfleet and become the greatest, uh, uh, you know, captain of all time. In real Star Trek, they say that in his Academy days, they described uh, Captain, they, they described James Kirk back in the Academy as a walking, as walking set of textbooks. That's what he was described as. Textbooks with legs, I think, is the terms they use. One of those episodes where he, old family or old friends, something. Back in the day at Starfleet Academy, James T. Kirk was a stack of textbooks with legs. Can you imagine them trying to do that today? Because, because that ethic, that's a Boy Scout ethic. You know, that's, that's, that's how real captains get to be captains, right? They take it seriously from the beginning. And this is, this is the thing that I've always hated and that I've had a, a, just a, an absolute 100% commitment to whatever entertainment I'm able to produce to whatever degree. I will not insult the military by turning them into these swashbuggling, uh, you know, uh, gunslinging rebel lunatics. I just, I just won't do it. I won't. The, the people in in the stuff that I'm going to do, and I am going to do it, those people are going to be professionals. It doesn't mean you can't have brawlers and, 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 and guys like Han Solo. You And you can have guys like Han Solo in a little ship, but you can't have Han Solo in charge of the Enterprise. You just can't. It's antithetical. You need somebody serious, you know? And, and and in the in the J.J. Abrams movies, it's like you know, Kirk is out there and being his handsome self and fighting his way through fist fighting his way through everything. Kirk got into a number of fist fights and he used the double the double thing, of course, the double hammer thing, which is extremely effective. But one thing I notice is that is that I'm not aware of it. I didn't see the third Star Trek movie. Think about that for a minute, okay? Bill Whittle never saw the third of the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies. I didn't go. I just didn't. First time chat from uh, Bucko588. Abrams destroys every franchise he touches. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And 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 you look at um, uh, you look at uh, the Force Awakens. It is, a, and all of them are one to one copies of the first three. They're just simple one to one copies with everything turned up a little bit. And 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 when they when they did the third one and, and the Enterprise is destroyed again, you know, if you destroy the Enterprise every movie or every other movie. It just doesn't matter anymore. I saw uh, Search for Spock in a movie theater, and when the Enterprise is burning up in the atmosphere, I was crying, because the Enterprise is the is the lead character of Star Trek. It's the character, and 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 to see this thing burning up in the atmosphere, I've been with that vessel for seven, what was it seventy eight episodes, seventy two, 
72 hours I was on that ship, plus all the other movies and stuff, and now it's burning up. I felt it. You can't just keep doing that. It, it, it gets destroyed in, in the third one. It gets essentially destroyed in the second one where it comes falling out of space, you know, and, and stuff. And it's like, what? This is, the, I, I don't understand. I don't, I can, un, I can understand. This is like Rumsfeld's knowns, known unknowns and unknown unknowns. My known unknowns are, I can understand that these people don't understand the science because they're just stupid. But I can't understand why they don't understand that you can't destroy the Enterprise every episode. You just, you know, yeah. And uh, and uh, Drinker pointed out in his review of um, of uh, Doctor Strange, they go to some alternative universe where there's a, you know, Captain America's British or something, and he said, look, if you can travel backwards in time and go to other universes, then nothing matters, right? I mean, think about it. If you have the ability to go back in time and change things, then if you, if you, if you give that to the audience, then somebody dying has no meaning. You know, you know that, that it's gonna get resolved through Hocus Pocus. This is why, um, that's why the golden age of television was the golden age of television. And, and I'm not talking about the 50s or 60s. I'm talking about the, the, when television started appearing on, on cable TV. And I think there might be an earlier example, but for me, the, 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 the thing that paved the way was The Sopranos. Okay, so, so The Sopranos had major characters killed off. And when it happened, you just kind of went, what? Yeah. Janice just shot him. He punched her, so she went out of there, came back and shot him. Dead. Richie April. Goodbye. And um, Joe Pantaloni's great character, you know? She's a hua. Killed. Beaten to death. When that, when you have rules like that, then you, then you have actual drama because nobody's safe, right? You think, well, holy cow, they kill all these main people. I mean, Christopher gets, gets killed in this thing. Joe Pesci getting killed in um, Casino was shocking because it's freaking Joe Pesci. He's, he's, he's a major character. We talked about this once before. Somebody was kind enough, to, to, and, and, and thank you for it. Somebody sent me a DVD of um, To Live and Die in America. Um, uh, Live and Die in America blew my mind wasn't a terrific great movie, but it was a buddy movie about two cops and two-thirds of the way through the movie. One gets a shot in the head, he's gone. So, um, anyway. Uh, yeah, and people are saying Game of Thrones occasionally had that and stuff. Ralphie. Yeah, Ralphie. He, man, he was great. He was great. And Deadwood, you know. This is my favorite show ever. The Ian Shane in that is my favorite character of all time. Um, but, anyway... Uh, that's, you know, that's our uh, Star Trek Entertainment rant uh, for the night. Let's go to BillWhittle.com and see what the situation is there. You know, um, you never know uh, what... 
was talking with Natasha about this on the drive over because she's a photographer and, and an artist. She had her first art display a couple uh, nights ago. It was really fun. Um, you never know what's going to sell. Things that I think are terrific, they, eh, things that I just think kind of are, you know, well, it's, you know, it's below average. I like to keep as high an average as I can, but half of the things I do are below average, and that's what I felt about this Monsters thing, but I've had three people tell me that I really loved it, and I thought, well, that's good. Uh, the reason I say that is because I just saw Monsters moving back to America on the page. So here we go. Stratosphere Lounge questions and more. And once again, although we thanked him on our backstage show, um, and we should thank him every week, Henry Lumley, you are, you are just an absolute... Um, you're the man. Thank you for uh, for curating this thing. So uh, here we go. In a like twenty six posts. Good gracious. Uh, okay, here we go. So now we got some some uh, some meat we can sink our teeth into, and it's not you know three hours in, so I can. Um, like take a look at it. It's from our friend Marusha Dark. Hey, Bill. The other day I heard. Ego Raptor from Game Grumps talk about the idea that there are no superheroes in the world because there are no supervillains. And that got me thinking how in any great story, the hero and villain are often mirror images of one another and are generally proportional as well. That sentence should be on the board of every single writing class in the world. Yes. As I mentioned earlier, the reason that Wrath of Khan is the best Star Trek is because you had a villain and a hero who were who were balanced, who had the same acting style, larger than life. Uh, the, the villain was extraordinarily capable. He's more intelligent than Kirk. And that is scary. And, and Khan scared me. And even in Beyond Darkness, Khan scared me because Benedict Cumberbatch is one of my favorite actors, and I, I just listened to him read the phone book. Um, it also got me thinking about the sort of villains we're faced with today, from the Klaus Schwab's and Pelosi's to the armies of Karen's to the people obsessed with identity and the way they mirror us in dramatic irony. That's very interesting. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that bothers me most about the time that I live in is that the villains we have are just such losers. You know, it's degrading. I know you generally adverse to the idea of conspiracy hypotheses, but it's been interesting watching you come to terms with the reality of both the media political complex and the World Economic Forum recently, as well as things like Hillary's emails, Comey, the election, and so forth. Uh, let me just say, uh, I was aware of the media uh, political complex. I did not know about the World Economic Forum, and I did not know about the things that they are doing behind the scenes. I did know about Hillary's emails and Comey and the election and all of that stuff. I'm not trying to defend myself. I'm just saying some things are just prima facie obvious, and, and those are them. But no question, uh, I am waking up to uh, things that I just thought were impossible, either too complex or too evil. No, apparently not. The evidence is there. Uh, obviously, there are many conspiracy theories that are total, not conspiracy hypotheses, that's good for you, that are total, conspiracy theory uh, was a term invented either by the CIA or the KGB. I know disinformation was invented by the KGB, that word. Uh, Obviously, there are many conspiracy hypotheses that are total nonsense as well, such as Flat Earth, but if you care to take the red pill and venture further down the rabbit hole, I put it to you that both the World Economic Forum and the media political complex are really just a continuation of centuries-old lineage-spanning entities like Davos, the Bilderbergs, Bohemian Grove, Trilateral Commission, 
Council of Foreign Relations, Central Banking, and so forth. They are essentially our supervillains, our specter, if you like. Yes, there's no question I have woken up to this, uh, to a significant degree, the, 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 what I consider them to be are, are they're, they're aristocrats. All of the organizations that you listed, Trilateral Commission, Bohemian Grove, all of these things, these are ex these are expressly and and openly secret societies. They're openly secret societies about elitism. We're going to provide the leaders of tomorrow. World Economic Forum, you know, Justin Trudeau, congratulations, um, you can run Canada for us. And and that th that's not really up for discussion. It's not like this is a theory. I mean, there's videotape of them saying what they're saying, and and so that's. That's compelling, high-level evidence. Um, and I will admit, absolutely will admit, that uh, as little as a year ago, probably even, certainly two years ago, you know, the idea that there's a small group of people who are kind of running the whole world and, 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 and you know, manipulating things for their own evil ends just seemed like, nah, people, it doesn't work that way. It's too complex. It's too, it's too big. It's too random. And then you see... And then you see COVID, right? Then you see COVID, uh, and um, and the anti-science that was behind COVID, and okay, and uh, the World Health Organization. Uh, apparently, when you join the World Health Organization, and apparently every country in the world did, because it sounded good, you have to basically the 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 the, the sign-on treaty basically says that world WHO edicts will overrule your laws in your country. Okay. Um, uh, Eric Blake says, the irony is people keep talking about the Illuminati all the time when they were looking in the wrong direction. The Illuminati were classical liberals like the old Freemasons. They sought to end tyranny. Okay, that, and, and, and that sounds reasonable to me. I know a little bit about the Freemasons and, and how they got started. They were first union, basically, among other things. Um, but back to this. Different names and actors emerge over the years, but it's fundamentally the same basic struggle between light and darkness, good and evil, freedom and tyranny, with this simply being the current incarnation of that timeless story. I can even point you to resources that trace a through line back to at least 1095 AD, if you'd like to know more, though I wouldn't be surprised uh, if it's even older than that. And here's a, a link to a video called Shadows in Motion, which I will uh, try to look at. Um, When I was looking at the, uh, I've told you many times about that, um, the grand jury indictment of these people for crimes against humanity with the pandemic and so on. Uh, one guy who I've never mentioned because he seemed a little off the rails to me, and it was the guy they opened with, was talking about the city of London as a financial institution. That, that You look at London, you go, oh, London. But there's a, inside London, there's a, a, a financial entity called the city of London that has its own bank account, its own government, so on. It's in, a, in, a, in a very strange sort of way, it's, a, it's almost a little bit like D.C., how, how District of Columbia is in something but not really of something, you know, and talked about the financial manipulation of those guys and so on, and then they, you know, then they start saying, oh, well, they're the ones who started, um, uh, you know, World War II and stuff, and that's when I start to get a little bit, like, you know, you've got an interesting point here. Let's not overreach this, right? When you're talking about a world war, and people fighting each other to the death. 
right? Somebody's, somebody's, that's bigger than a, than a bunch of guys sitting around a table, you know, what are your opinions? Number three. But with that said, you know, all of these groups exist and, 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 uh, and what is it now that we're all the tech giants meet? Is it, it's not Aspen. Um, it's like a Rocky Mountain retreat where once a year all the tech giants fly in in their jets, talk about the danger of global warming, and then go into back rooms and talk about what's coming, what they're planning to do. And I think to myself, why do you have to have this conversation in secret? If you challenge them on this, they'll say, Davos, thanks. Uh, if you challenge them on it, they'll say, no, 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 we're, we're all about improving the future of Americans and, and future of everybody on Earth. I, my response to that is, I'm down with that. That's swell. What do you have in mind? We can't really go into details right now. Why not? Why not? Give me one good reason why you are meeting in secret if you have nothing but honorable and good intentions. Because it looks underhanded and looks suspicious and it looks dirty. And if you're genuinely trying to do good for people, that is the one thing you don't want. You, you want to go to trouble to be transparent. Um, and Cody MacArthur, Fett says it's because their plans are dumb and evil. And, you know, and knee-jerk reaction was, well, they're not that dumb. They're, they're all these billionaires. Then I come back to the argument I made in technocracy, which and, and there are more coming. Um, the, uh, these elites think they're smarter than everybody else. And they may be smarter than any one of us, but they're not smarter than all of us. And they're only smarter than, all, than any one of us in very specific areas that they then extrapolate out to mean the rest of the world. So, um, you know, uh, yeah, that's right, uh, CP Tomes. I'm not going to repeat it, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, so, what do you say? They're there, and, and they're going to lose. They're going to lose because of things that I saw today. They can't, they can't, they, they, they cannot touch it. The, the immigration, uh, the, uh, the naturalization oath, they can't touch it, and they don't understand it. And because they can't touch it and don't understand it, they underestimate it and, and essentially pretend it doesn't exist, that human connection. It's, it's the source of our greatest strength, and, and, and that's why they're going to lose. Um, but they'll do some damage before then. Henry Lumley with a question. Reputable foramite, to say the least. Uh, uh, Bill, thoughts on your prediction? Hey, Bill, after the election and during the early episodes of Moving Back to America, you made another prediction much like after the Romney loss in 2012 to remind you you had predicted that the next Republican president would have the populist uh, MAGA Make America Great agenda, or most of it, and would be a fighter of impeccable character who would be utterly untouchable by the media. Do you think DeSantis fits that bill? I do not know of a fight he has lost or a glove that the media has landed on him, and his personal popularity is as high as any politician could hope for. Unless we see him back off from a righteous fight or give the media a legitimate personal scandal to run with, I think he will be the Republican Party standard bearer going forward. We can only hope that the Republicans can learn from his example and clear out the uniparty deadweight from within. Uh, yes, I agree with all of that. 
I, Ron DeSantis to me is the most impressive politician in the country right now by pretty wide margin. Um, a lot of people don't like DeSantis and the right people don't like DeSantis, but DeSantis does not generate that visceral reaction that Trump does. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that's that. Um, I have mixed feelings about this. My immediate feeling is I want Trump to run in 2024 so he can wallop Biden. And, and I know that uh, the Donald and I are in perfect agreement on that. I would really like to see that happen. But another part of me says that uh, Trump is so divisive uh, that it's just going to make things more damaged and more um, difficult. Uh, you know what the ideal situation for me would be? Really? The ideal situation would be uh, Trump and DeSantis ticket in 2024. And after Trump wins the election, he, he basically says, all right, just now that's three presidential elections I've won. I'm letting Vice President run the rest of this stuff. Uh, yeah. And and Trump's getting older, you know. And DeSantis, DeSantis has been, um, as, as, as the question pointed out, he's not just got the right uh, ideas and the right philosophy. He wins. He wins. And he wins by... By, by openly saying what he believes and standing up for it. And he fights back, which is lovely. I mean, it's just lovely. And and again, look, I, I have an enormous respect for Donald Trump and, and for everything he's done and so on. But when I say he fights back, he doesn't just tweet back. It's like Disney's gonna Disney's gonna do this. They're gonna they're gonna turn this entire organization into you know this uh, this this grooming cult. Okay. Well, you've had, you know, I don't know if it's tax-free status or whatever it is, but you've had the ability to govern yourself since 1972 or 68 or whenever that thing went in. We're going to remove that now. Now, that's fighting back. That hurts. And Jeremy's Razors is fighting back. That's not just a, uh, that's not just a parting shot of, you know, well, you know. No. You've slandered us, and, um, and you've libeled us, and so we'll put you out of business. We didn't come after you, and we didn't start this fight, but we're gonna we're gonna fight, and we're gonna make it count. Disney's lost. This is last I heard. It's probably greater than that now. Fifty billion dollars in value. That's a significant chunk of change. Fifty billion dollars. You're starting to talk about real money. So, okay. This see the, this is this is. It's just like, this is the essence of human nature. Another first-time chat. Wow, it's great to see. Gary uh, Weiss, I think. Sorry if I get that wrong. Left doesn't recognize moderates. You're either with them or a Nazi. Precisely. Okay. How many liberals have been called Nazis now? And how many liberals now um, believe things that they know if they admitted to? Like, I think my daughter should be allowed to compete in sports without transgendered athletes, you know, blowing her out of the water. Uh, that makes them Nazis now. So they're all... Virtually everybody's a closet Nazi in, in, on the left now. Um, uh, and Jeff Coulter, but I intend you no specific comment. That's a great line. Jeremy just absolutely delivered it. 
Yeah, Russell Brand is is alt right now. You know, the the world is changing, folks, and um, and and rapidly, and it's changing for the better. Um, my uh, my right angle episode was, we just stepped on the third rail of progressive politics. I mean, I've spent the last I've been doing this for twenty years, a little over, a little under. Actually, it'll be twenty years in end of two thousand twenty-two. But it was always, if you take, if you have gun confiscation, that's when the right will will riot. And if you have abortion, uh, uh, if you have, if you overturn Roe v. Wade, that's when the left will fight uh, to the death. And here comes this leak, designed to intimidate people, and mostly designed to fire up the base, and it didn't happen. America is much more conservative than it was in 1973, much more. And the reason we're much more conservative now and getting more conservative every day is because the left has been allowed to say what they think and to put their policies in action, which I caught a lot of heat for, and it wasn't my first choice, you know? This business of saying the only way to cure socialism is to let people have it. That's not my first choice. I don't want that to happen, but that's human nature. That's why history uh, repeats itself. That's why, well, that's why those who do not learn the lessons of history are doomed to repeat them, because this is how humans are built. When things get good, they stop worrying about bad things. First thing that popped into my mind was the Titanic. Can the Titanic survive a, 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 a collision with an iceberg at flank speed, which it was making to, to set records for its maiden voyage? Well, it would never really hit. And we have these watertight compartments. Do they go all the way up to the top? Well, they go up, to, they go up you know, five decks, but they don't go all the way to the top. So it's possible to think, yes, it's possible to sink, but really. But the reason that they went steaming through that iceberg at full speed was because the, because the, the Titanic hadn't sunk yet. I know that sounds circular, but it's true. The reason that they were so cavalier was because the Titanic hadn't sunk yet. But once it sunk, then everybody realized, okay, so this is a serious problem. And this is how humans deal with things. This is the, the, the Titanic, the Challenger, and the Columbia are exactly the same phenomenon, right? Didn't happen yesterday, didn't happen today, so probably won't happen tomorrow. That's how people are built. And you have to, you know, slap them out of it. That's what's happening. People are being slapped into reality. Um, and, and so when this Roe v. Wade leak came out, I was expecting, yeah, I know there were violent demonstrations and they smashed a couple of windows and burned a pro I, I thought that, I thought, I genuinely thought that society would just come to a halt. No. That's a data point. It's a big one. It's a big one. Um, DeSantis and Winsome Spears for 2028. Uh, I'll take them in 2024, uh, personally. I think I, I have enormous admiration. I think, that, I think that combination would mop the floor. If Donald Trump is the nominee, I think he'll win. I think he'll get his revenge, but it won't be... It won't be as good for the country as uh, as DeSantis and, and Spears, for example. I don't like saying that because a big, big part of me wants to see these people suffer for the damage they've done. But ultimately, comes a point when you have to ask yourself, would you rather have what feels good or would you rather have what is good? Um, Eric Blaze says he's, uh, you're, he's Florida's governor until he finishes his second term. Well, okay. He's ours. We're going to keep him. That's fine. If you want to take Florida out of the union, I'll consider moving back. 
Um, so anyway, every day there's more and more and more evidence that, that this theory of mine, I'm not, I didn't invent this theory, but I, I seem to be one of the few people actually openly saying it is, yes, this is a catastrophe. And the only way to avoid the catastrophe is to give people the catastrophe and let them see how bad this is while there are still people out there to make the other argument, like DeSantis or Trump or whatever the case may be. Donald Trump's popularity is much higher now than he was when he was president because there's something to compare Donald Trump to. So anyway, um, uh, a big, big, big part of me wants to see him win, wants to see him run and win just to rub their noses in a big part of me. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Uh, I would like to see the country not continue to get um, more and more divided. I would like it to not. And I think if you're going to bring conservatism to people and as an alternative to progressivism, show that unlike progressivism, this stuff actually works and makes lives better, then if you're going to try and do that, then the best way to do it is with somebody who's not so um, toxic to uh, the other side. Uh, but again, I'll take either one of them over what what we what we were served last time. Uh, boy, 5708 Rivera is uh, is burning up the uh, chat session here. Uh, do you think millennials get older? They get as millennials get older, they get more conservative. Yes, everybody does. Um, everybody does. I did. So that's everybody. Uh, Reagan did. Uh, My expression, which I'm rather fond of, is that, you know, it takes quite a while for life to beat the stupid out of you. But everybody gets, look, it's easy to be, it's easy to say, we need to raise taxes when you're not paying taxes. That's exactly what I said when I was in college. We need to raise taxes so I can have more money for student loans and stuff. Give me some of your money. Raise taxes. Am I paying taxes? No. Okay. Well, it comes a point when you grow up and you start paying taxes, then all of a sudden raising taxes doesn't seem like such a good idea. Thank you, Marisha, for, uh, for quoting me. I'm a conservative of liberal values. I'm trying to conserve classical liberalism. Freedom of speech, private property, individual responsibility, individual rights, individual protections. Uh, one of the things I was talking earlier that Scott, uh, Steve's episode is uh, on the 40-year anniversary of Wrath of Khan, and, and I just chucked it in at the end because it needed to be chucked in. Um, the Wrath of Khan is probably the strongest pitch for individualism in any movie I think I've ever seen, with a possible exception maybe of Braveheart. The whole movie is about the logic of the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, or the one. That is absolutely logical, right? It just makes sense. Of course, we should be trying to get as much good for as many people as possible, and if that means that individuals have to, certain individuals have to do worse so that everybody does better, then that's clearly the, 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 the deal to make, right? No. No. It's not like that. When, when at, the end of, at the end of Wrath of Khan, the last thing these two say to each other, these lifelong friends, is that the needs of the few outweigh the needs of the many. 
And, and Scott Ott got it exactly right. He said, if you take care of the individual, if you protect the individual, if you protect the one, then the group will be fine. If you protect the group, people who aren't in the group are going to pay. And by the way, um, I have been reading, just vacuuming up. Um, it's another one of these topics for a deep dive for me, you know. As usual, it's a historical thing, and it's just, I was reading uh, some article at Instapundit, and they were talking about um, a link to, Jones, to the Jonestown massacre, and they recommended a book called uh, Raven about Jim Jones. I'm about a third of the way through that now. Uh, I lived through that. Uh, most of you probably did, too. I was... Um, I must have just been, it was just, just after I got out of high school. Um, and you see these 900 brightly colored pieces of clothing on the ground there. It's like confetti bomb had gone off. And, and it's like, no, those are all people. Uh, November 18th, I think, 1978. Sounds right. Uh, and so... That is something I've always been interested in, but I've completely forgotten about it. I just, just utterly left the picture. But when somebody said there's a really good book about Jim Jones out and about um, Jonestown, I, uh, I just immediately went back in there. And one thing, thank you, Political Animal, I'll, I'll, I'll think about the merch. By the way, um, we I'm not going to say it because we cut it out of the backstage show. It's, uh, I, we, we came up with a slogan for a T-shirt that I think is actually just brilliant. Um, uh, but back to Jim Jones um, one of the things that I have no memory of was um, oh I'm sorry to hear that uh, 5708 Rivera says members of my parish died in that they called it a mass suicide it was mass murder is what it was it was mass murder it wasn't, it wasn't a mass suicide S many if not most of the people fought it what they what they did well and the whole Jim Jones and, and 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 so on, and these were portrayed as losers and so on. There were some very smart people there, and I'll say this too: it needs to be said. You look at you look at the people temp the people's temple in operation without Jim Jones, and he's responsible for them. You really do see completely integrated society where 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 there is no racial conflict. It, and you got to give it credit for that, because especially back when you know when he started in, in the early '60s with this thing, that's a big deal. And you can't understand the horror of this guy unless you understand the appeal of this guy. This is why. This is why you need to understand Hitler and you, and Hitler and Stalin, all the rest. Mount you need to you need to understand them. And this idea that you you can't possibly say anything good about about Adolf Hitler. Well, I, I I'm not a fan of Adolf Hitler. You know, I'm not a fan of Adolf Hitler at all, or Stalin or any of them. But if you don't understand what it was that they did well and what it was that made people follow them, then you can't prevent it in the future. And so, um, so I study these things because I, I, I want to see them coming, right? Jim Jones, Adolf Hitler, Stalin, Jack the Ripper, all these people fascinate me because I want to be able to recognize them before they really get their footing.
so um, I'm about a third of the way through it. Uh, it's spoiler alert, you know, most everybody dies. Um, the, 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 de the depravity of this guy, I mean, the, the depravity of it is beyond imagination. But as I was saying, the one thing that I do not remember when I was looking at these horrible pictures and Newsweek had them on the cover back when Newsweek was a you know, magazine and stuff. Um, it's like, oh my God, you know, all these, all these sheep just went out and killed themselves on orders from this guy. So, you know, it's a lot more complex than that, as, as I've come to discover in life. Um, and, and, and I'm at the point now where I'm reading about the church in the 70s when it moved from, uh, is it Ukiah? Is that the name of the place? Up Redwood Valley moved to San Francisco. But, um, Jones basically told his entire congregation, thousands of people, that he to said all the men in this in this group, everybody here is a homosexual except for me. You all have repressed homosexual. And he'd bring people up, and he would use his rhetoric in order to get them to admit this or that, and basically convince them. So, so this this was something I did not know about Jim Jones, but apparently Jones sodomized a number of men to show them that they were homosexuals. And guys wrote him letters thanking him for sodomizing them and showing them the limits of, uh, of their, uh, you know, of their, their pride and that kind of thing. Okay. Um, I did not know during the time, because it was not advertised, that this guy was not a Christian. He was a socialist. His religion was socialism. And he had long before lost a belief in Christ and, and replaced it with a belief in socialism and couldn't say that in the 60s. Couldn't come out and say we're all a bunch of communists. So we talked about, he talked about um, Christianity. Uh, he, he basically said ec ecumenical communalism, which is you know, communism. So all these people down there were all socialists, they're all communists. And they were all under the sway of what happens. It's funny, isn't it? Isn't it funny? That when you that when you tell people that we're all going to be equal, that's when you get absolute power structure. It's when you tell everybody we're all going to be equal, all going to be the same. That's when you get dictatorships and tyrannies because it's coercive. Anyway, um, the uh, the um, the Jonestown thing is just it's just it's mind-boggling and this guy was uh, you know he, his best friend he was a he's a young boy he's, you know I don't know uh, I don't even think in his teens he didn't have a lot of friends he had this one friend who lived across the street and they're out walking and they started with the, the friends started with BB guns and they went out with 22s and uh, Jones leveled the 22 at this friend of his and said, you know, if you don't take another step, I'm going to shoot you. And I said, are you out of your mind, Jim? And he said, I'll do it. And so the guy took a step forward, and Jim Jones shot him through the foot. Later on, this I think it was the same guy, he tried to convince his friend not to leave, and his friend was over there arguing with him, arguing with him, and so on. And the friend says, I'm out of here, you're a lunatic, starts walking away. And... Um, Jones appears on the porch with his uh, dad's 45, and the guy's just walking, and bang, and this bark next to his tree, and bark, 
just explodes, you know. He's a psychopath. So how did a psychopath get take 900 people with him? Well, I'm not going to get too deep in this because they haven't finished yet. Um, uh, but one thing, the, the, the thing that hit me immediately about this when I started reading The Raven and stuff, and it's really the introduction to The Raven, I think, was that they killed the children first. And that's important. Because once they killed the children, everybody was in, right? Once you've killed the children, now, now you're complicit in the, in, you know, in the worst crime of all. Although you wouldn't know that to hear uh, certain people talk about that. So they killed the children first. And once you've killed the children, then the people don't want to live anymore. And a number of those people were injected. And a number of those people fought back. Uh, and um, a number of them didn't want to do this. But he had his own little, you know, army. He had his own little brown shirt. He's, he's the guy, his, his enforcers were the guys that went and shot uh, Ryan to death at the airport. And there was a woman there who, um, who was shot five times. I've forgotten her name now. She was a, a congressional aide. She's in Congress now, or at least was recently. And she was shot five times. And she was lying underneath the landing gear of this plane, playing dead. And she's playing dead. And all of a sudden, she feels just this hammer just hit her. And shot her while she was down just to make sure they polished her off. She lay underneath that airplane for two days. She's still there. Yeah, Lady Hawk has got it right. It isn't suicide when the others have firearms. Precisely correct. So, the guy was... Uh, uh, a megalomaniac, but I keep getting off the topic as usual. The thing that I never heard when I was in high school was that these people were communists and socialists openly. That's why they left. That's why they left. They they had a commune, and apparently they, they, they liked it and they're having a lot of fun until, um, until Jim arrived full-time. By the way, uh, a couple of people are mentioning, um, you know, young people don't know where the expression, you know, they drank the Kool-Aid is from. In Jonestown, they just put an enormous barrel of stuff and they just had all these vials of, of uh, cyanide and just sucked them out with a syringe, splodged them into this stuff, mixed it up, and, uh, and then they handed out the little cups of the Kool-Aid. But... That's where the term came from. They drank the Kool-Aid. It means you're just, you're so mind-controlled that you do whatever anybody says. Here's some, here's some deadly poison. First inject it into the mouth of your children and drink it yourself. Okay. That's what drinking the Kool-Aid means. That's where it comes from. But to me, I thought, man, that's kind of a bum deal for Kool-Aid, you know? That's kind of a crappy thing to be known for. <laughs> it wasn't Kool-Aid. It was Flavor-Aid. That may not sound like a big point, but to me, I was like, that sucks, you know. They drank the flavor aid. If you really want to impress people, say, "See, that's what happens." You 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 drank the flavor aid, and say, "Kool Aid is a flavor aid." Same way when you correct people when they say, "I was chomping at the bit." You mean, champing at the bit? These were my old stomping grounds. You mean your old stamping grounds? I'm a Nazi when it comes to Nazi in every way. I think so. Uh, Anyway, Henry, I hope I, I hope I, I got to most of that there. Let's see what we got here. Let's see, I'm going 
get through these tonight. I hate this. I'm just scrolling down. Henry Lumley's got this picture of um, of uh, this creature. Uh, sorry to do this to you. And this is this is all you need to know about progressives. They lecture people about wearing masks, and all of the servants wear masks. But she doesn't have to wear a mask. I have to say, it took me a second to figure out who this was because the first time I've seen Hillary Clinton ever once dress in actual clothing instead of tarps. Um, I, I really didn't. I, I I didn't recognize her. That's like an actual dress that that a human would wear instead of the um, triple knit polyester in primary day glow colors that she normally seems to wear. Sorry to inflict that on you, but yes, good point. Everybody in this picture is wearing a mask except for her. Why? Because she's royalty. Because she's royalty. Uh, and and the reason she's in politics, this is the point that nobody really seems to understand. She's in politics to make a lot of money, obviously, but the main reason she's in politics is because of this picture. She's in politics because she wants to be able to do things that other people are not allowed to do. That's what gets them off. That's what, that's what they need. They need that aristocratic sense of, well, I suppose other people might have to wear masks, but certainly not me, because I am royalty. I sure hope I want to see that woman go to jail more than just about anything in the world. Um, Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to do a little triage here. <sighs> Martin Archer's got a link to the incident. Um, uh, looks like it's done from uh, either DCS or, um, what is it? Sturmovic. But the, it's the incident of where this German fighter ace in a Messerschmitt escorted this B-17 B that was shot to pieces. Absolutely shot to pieces. And had one engine running or something, and it's just trying to limp home. And this guy, instead of an easy kill, he actually escorted it out to the channel, and they, and they did it. Now, that's war as hell, but sometimes there is something... Um, uh, civilized about it. Uh, yes, I was aware of the incident. Um, it's one of those moments like the like the Christmas truce in 1914 where um, where humanity, the, a person's individual humanity overcomes, you know, pretty much everything else here. Ms. Masterson, I'm sorry that I can't really get into this uh, too much. Uh, I did live th through stagflation, but I, I, I didn't know it at the time. I was, you know, I had no um, awareness really of what was going on, which is why I so, it's why I such a such a staunch liberal. I didn't have a clue what was going on. 
Um, I, I'm not really the guy to ask questions about with that. I hope the question about Natasha and the rest of it uh, got solved. Um, there have been a couple questions in this comment section about the uh, Department of Disinformation. I say good. You know what? I did, I did not get it, uh, your email, but I haven't looked in a while. It's been extremely stressful a uh, couple of weeks for me. Um, uh, but see, this, this, is the, this is another example of what I was talking about a minute ago, where it's like, you know, you want to, you want to see what these people are made out of? Okay. I think that this business of, of the Department of Disinformation run by this attention whore lunatic, you know, Broadway failure uh, is, is fantastic. Um, Stephen King tweeted his support for it. Okay, well, Stephen King is a, is a jackass. He's just a, just a jackass. He's a great writer, and he's a grand jackass. Um, okay, so Department of Disinformation, fantastic. What, what teeth does it have? In other words, what can they do? Because this would be the kind of thing where you, this is the kind of thing you'd want to get arrested over, right? So the, the way to get rid of the Ministry of Truth is to have the Ministry of Truth do something about what they claim to be doing. And then, um, and then there's that. Henry Lumley, and I had no idea it was you. Um, do you want you to do anything differently with the question topics week to week? No, sir, I don't. Uh, I, we cannot thank you enough. You, are, you have just been absolutely tremendous. Stephen Scott and I talked about it on our backstage show, and, and all of us are very, very, very grateful for everything. It's just perfect. I just feel bad that I can't get through all of them. But um, So I guess the, the best thing to do with this is to say, if you don't get your question answered, repost it. And if you don't get it answered twice, then repost it and say uh, third attempt or something. I try to, I, I make an effort to get to those if I can. Um, all right, so I'm going to do as many more as I can, although we, we do need to go out and have a little celebratory uh, uh, cocktail of some time. Uh, here's a suggestion for a virtue signal called candor uh, from Chris Taylor, I think. Uh, I was watching an old C-SPAN interview with the author of The Wish for Kings. It's a great title. I haven't read it. The author noted that the democratic impulse of free people to tell each other what we think has given way to the courtier impulse to tell each other what we think will advance us in an organization, which was speculated, which he speculated was due to Americans having gone from being mostly self-employed farmers and tradesmen to being mostly employed by some organization. That's profound. I suspect this impression was also influenced by being within the Ad absurdum, ad absurdum of the idea in the D.C. and New York bubbles, but it reminded me of your decision to stay on your own and occasionally contract with people like Daily Wire rather than go be an employee of someone else. With that in mind, <laughs> far trader or scout courier, type S without a question. Absolutely no question about it. Type S in, in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Let's, I'll take the scout courier in a heartbeat, and, um, and I'll keep rolling the dice until I get it. Uh, for those of you who know what we're talking about, and that's a small percentage of you. Uh, I, I'm, we're, we're blood brothers in, in Traveler together. Uh, yeah, the, and, and by the way, I think you're right. I think the author's right about that. that. People, once they get into an organization and start, look, whenever you try, the whole idea of climbing the social ladder is telling people what they want to hear. It's not being true to yourself. The definition of somebody who's a social climber is somebody who is compromising what they believe or think 
in order to advance themselves socially. And when you have centralized top-down organizations, the way to climb into that organization is to tell the boss what you want to hear, what he wants to hear. Reason I bring that up is because um, uh, those days are almost completely gone now. And we're back to the country. Every day that the information age continues, America looks more like agricultural America than it did than it does industrial America. So agricultural America was very decentralized and very individualistic. Industrial era America was very regimented and very um, centralized. And now information age America again is decentralizing and and individualism is 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 rising again. Um, and 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 I, and I'm a fine example of that. I managed a way to, you know, cobble together the ability to make a living doing this, and um, and I'm and I'm not somebody's employee. Not that not that they would uh, restrict me in any way. It's just I don't know stubbornness probably. There's a big old long Marusha uh, question which I just don't have time to deal with today. I'm sorry. Uh, this one I will take though uh, from Cody Mills. Uh, Bill, long-time YouTube viewer, first-time live viewer here. Always love to hear those stories. Have you ever seen the Everyday Astronaut channel? Tim is practically the king of rocketry YouTube. He produces long-form, very well-researched, and explained rocket contests content. I just think a conversation between the two of you knowledgeable folks would make this wannabe space cowboy's day. I have heard of him. He is very, very good. I have to say my favorite uh, space com commentator guy is Scott Manley. I think Scott Manley's just terrific. Um, and and this is another indication of of the inner uh, of YouTube uh, content changing. It's very 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 different landscape than it was in 2013. Very 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 different. Which is why I'm betting the farm on this alternative because that's what people watch now um, uh, Jeff uh, wants to know uh, hey Bill I've been looking for you on Doomcock's YouTube channel search help please title date he has not released it yet um, uh, he he did write me a couple weeks ago because I thought did he you know, did, could it have been weeks and weeks and weeks. And he wrote me an email out of the blue and said, hey, hail Bill. That's the thing I love most about dealing with Doomcock is every, every, everything begins with hail. Hail you, hail me. Uh, hail Bill, um, uh, I just want to let you know I'm still working on it. It was an hour and a half conversation. I've got a lot of editing to do. He has to, you, you realize, of course, he has to Doomcockize this thing, right? I never saw him, by the way. I just heard his voice. I have no idea what he looks like. Um, but, uh, he, um, Doomcock publicly apologized for not having it out yet? Did he really? Wow. Maybe I can get in on the Friday Night Follies tomorrow night. because uh, he's on a roll about Strange New Worlds. Um, that's something to think about. Um, and, and thank you, Henry, about the advice about getting out of here. Uh, I'll, I'll, um, you know, I don't know, 25 years in Florida. Did he really? Well, I'll be damned.
When did he do that? Was that last Friday Night Follies? Um, Literature Devil is terrific. Mar Marusha Dark talks about Literature Devil. He's very, very good. There's some. There, the, the, this is all I watch, folks. This is all I watch. I, I just watch. I watch. Um, individuals, on YouTube. And I think it's great. Yes, Friday Night Follies is Gary's stuff. I'll, I'll see. Uh, Sunday is, is enough time. I'll give him a call. Um. Uh. Uh, GK, I don't, I don't Discord much. I'm sorry, I just don't, I don't, I just don't. And I, and I, and I, am under enormous, enormous time pressures now. Um, but uh, you can always um, contact me at info at billwoodle.com and just say you mentioned it on the Stress Free Lounge, and and I will get to it. But right now I'm just, I'm like a, like a dog with a bone. You know, it's like I'm just. I'm not doing anything. I'm not looking at anything. I'm not doing anything. I just want, uh, I, I'm just, I've got to get this damn thing out the door. And it looks fantastic. And it sounds fantastic. The remix I did uh, and, and the music cues, timing music cues, it's fantastic. I'm, I'm going to try and get on uh, Doomcock Show. I'll give him an email so I can get on on Sunday. Um, just trying to mop up as many as I can here. Um, Uh, this is from Marusha on this one. I can take you previous stream mentioned had an idea for a TV show that was like flipping through channels. As it turns out, yes, it was called Grazing. And I got the DVD and I went out and bought a DVD um, uh, USB device to read it. And it's badly scratched. I can get the third episode out, two thirds of them not um, uh, recoverable by standard means. I have no doubt there are people that can get that episode back. So I am going to try and um, try to remember to get that converted and at least bring in the third episode, uh, which was, I mean, some of our best stuff is not in it, but it was by far the most, you know, well-produced stuff. Um, yeah, it was called Grazing. And I have, seen, and I, have, I was wondering if you've ever seen Robot Chicken as it sounds exactly like what you described. Yes, uh, I did see Robot Chicken. I, I never really, uh, never really got it hooked into me. I'll tell you what did, strangely enough, I really am quite surprised at this on Adult Swim, was um, was the Tim and Eric show. Um, I, I, I got him. I just, I mean, that is extraordinarily far out there. Um, uh, Tim and Eric are, are, are just, um, oh, Mark, Mark, Mark Amink says discs can be polished just like car surfaces. Is that true? How about that? Um, Tim and Eric, uh, it, that is not, that is, that's not for beginners, right? That is, that is exceedingly dark and exceedingly, exceedingly inside baseball humor. However, um, uh, it, it certainly had its moments, and um, Stephen Brule um, is, you know, it's just brilliant. It just, just makes me laugh. He makes me laugh. Uh, was it William, um, what's his name? Uh, 
Wow. And Mark, how did you recover them? Did you just use literally use like like turtle wax or something? Or I'm curious to know how that how that works. Doctor Stephen Brule. Yes. Uh, okay, I'll try it. Got nothing to lose. John C. Riley. That's right. John C. Riley is Doctor Stephen Brule. Is is just it's just brilliant. It's just brilliant. It's brilliant character work. It's brilliant writing, and 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 it's not for everybody. But boy, I sure do like that. Um, Okay, let's see. Uh, Martin Archer's got a relatively quick one, so let's uh, jump in there. Um, what if instead of thinking of the strong men, weak men argument with regards to history and moving forward, how about we think of it as wise men and stupid men? Wise men would not bring about stupid men. Wise men would find a way to cultivate other wise men and reduce the stupidity in the world. Uh, yeah, I think that's a... Um, I just think that's a uh, semantics issue. When we talk about strong men, we're not talking about, we're not ne certainly not necessarily talking about he-men. You know, we're not talking about bodybuilders or, or, or guys who win arm wrestling contests. When we talk about strength, we're talking about uh, moral strength. We're talking about uh, intellectual strength. We're talking about, and I'm not talking about high, even high intelligence so much as I'm talking about the, the strong is not a physical strength so much as it's a, um, I would consider a strong man and a wise man to be the same thing. Um, and, and the same goes for uh, weakness and stupid. The problem is, the problem is not, the, the problem is not stupidity. Uh, the problem is ignorance. This is not a stupid culture, it's just ignorant. And that's, in the end run, that's actually good news. Despite what Ron, um, Ron Black has to say you can't fix stupid, um, but um, it really is not a. It's not a question of them not being able to comprehend this thing. It's not. The, it's not even a question of them choosing the wrong things. They're not allowed to choose uh, conservatism or or Americanism or patriotism because they they, they the only time they get ex uh, Ron White. Did I say Ron White? Ron Black? My God, Ron White. Um, uh, so you know, it, it's good to know that that it's, you know, just this. All right, let's see. Uh, here's another one from Marisha. Hey, Bill, went to Medieval Times with the family last week, saw this, thought of you, life imitating art, linked to a JPEG. Suit up for fun. Masks are highly encouraged for all guests who enter Her Majesty's Castle. Okay. Uh, in the animation, when they get to the door of the actual dungeon, there's a sign there that says, "Thou may not enter this dungeon unless thou are wearing a visor," which is uh, my friend Jeff's line, not my line. It's a good line. Um, That—that's most of it, gang. You know, that's 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 most of it. Um, so I think I'm going to wrap this thing up and take my beautiful American wife out to a nice restaurant and nice bar and have a few libations to celebrate. That's what I want to do. Uh, pledge floor care for recovery of data from CDs and DVDs that have been scratched. I will try it. Um, Eric Blake says a while ago you talked about having pro possibly having prominent stratosphere loungers on as guests. Have you thought about that anymore? Personally, you and I would have a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, uh, it's not something I'm going to be doing right away, Eric, to be honest with you. Um, and I'm going to be on the King Dolphin show on uh, TV, King Dolphin TV on Wednesday. Uh, 
American woman. Yeah, all right. That's what I'm going to do. Um, anyway, uh, I'm sure uh, there's a lot of stuff I missed, and I'll try and catch up with the, the questions, uh, at least see what the, uh, what you know, some of these are, as usual, very deep and very intricate, and I just, just don't have time to do them. Um, and thanks again, as always, for uh, all the kind words. It's really, uh, it's overwhelmingly tremendous, and all the all the uh, emails. Uh, this doctor is a product sure. I'll, I'll try the polish. Got nothing to lose. I'll take the file off that I can, and and then I'll just give it a. I, I hadn't the slightest idea, but it makes sense. I'm sure, sure does. Okay. Um, Off we go. Just a couple of American citizens out on the town in Los Angeles, and uh, and that is made possible as is our lives, as we said, basically as we understand them. Anyway, uh, to the um, members, paying members of BillWhittle.com, who make this show possible, make all the shows possible, and uh, for whom we are extraordinarily grateful. Attendance is going up a little bit on this. Hey. Um, I don't want to get into it now because I'm about to leave, but maybe next time we can talk about whether we want to move this show to YouTube. Um, we we moved off of YouTube because we started this show with Ustream, which was just awful. The worst software in the world. And and they wanted huge money for it. They just said crazy money. And ever since we moved to, um, what is it, OBS? Yes. Aces. Um... But in any event, uh, I'm gonna I'll post this to YouTube right now. I had to re-edit the last one last time, so it took an extra day. So I'm gonna put this up now, um, and I'm gonna uh, do the thumbnails for Virtue Signal. But then we're getting the devil out of here and go out and celebrate a very big day for for both of us. Worked hard for this, uh, both of us, and 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 I just couldn't be happier. And and the the reaction from um, from you guys has just just made my wife very, very, very happy. So um, uh, I'm very grateful. Uh, okay, uh, I guess that'll do it. Thanks, uh, thanks again for being with us, uh, and uh, keep your chin up. Oh, I can stream it to both. The thought. Okay, keep your uh, chins up. Don't let the bastards get you down, and um, and glory in. Uh, in the fact that people are waking up faster than I ever imagined possible. And um, and we'll be there to see it all. So I uh, expect to see you next Thursday. And uh, you guys take care out there. I'll see you next time.